Hello and welcome to Healthline 3, I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Britton Eves with Willis-Knighton Cardiology and we're going to be talking about peripheral artery disease, sometimes known as PAD, and we'll be taking your calls throughout the show. As a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way so you can hear us and we can hear you. The number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see it across the bottom of your screen throughout the show. Dr. Eves, thank you so much for being here. Again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, really nice. And and uh, I know we were on break. We had the little teaser right. Uh, right during the midday. So let's go ahead and refresh everyone who might have missed okay. that. Um, what is peripheral artery disease? So when we're talking about peripheral arterial disease, we're really specifically talking about uh, all the arteries that encompass the body that don't involve the heart or the brain. So every portion of our body that uh, is alive receives blood flow and therefore they're supplied by an arterial circulation. But more specifically, in general, we're usually focusing on the legs, the arms, and the kidneys. There's also some procedures that can be done on the, the uh, vasculature of the uh, internal organs, the intestines, and so forth, but primarily really mainly focusing on the legs, the arms, and uh, the kidneys to a lesser degree. Okay. and so. What actually is the, the cause of this? Or are there other conditions in the body that can create this in the arms and legs? So they, they do share, it shares a common denominators uh, with any of the, the uh, disease processes that cause uh, blockages in the arteries of the body. And that would be things such as a strong family history of having uh, coronary disease, having stroke, uh, people in the family that have had uh, problems with the circulation in their legs, uh, patients that have, uh, have a history of hypertension, uh, people that smoke, uh, patients that have a history of diabetes and elevated cholesterol. So they all basically have that uh, basis. And again, that's uh, not only important um, to know whether you have a risk to have some of those diseases, but also an opportunity to modify some of those risk factors so that if you don't have them currently, uh, you, you don't go, go in the future to develop. Right, so yeah, so there is a way to at least pay attention when right, you start exactly. having this. And we talk about too a lot, I've learned a lot um, with Healthline 3 and you and I have talked about things too. Sometimes we think if we have something that is um, as such a like diabetes or hypertension that it's really um, a life-changing, uh, a life-affecting. We can also layer certain things. You can have more than one of those. Oh, absolutely. Uh, most of the time actually, on most of uh, the patients that have those, we have a lot of patients that have diabetes, um, hypertension, and elevated cholesterol. So it's a multi-pronged event. So we call them, you know, some, some risk factors you can't uh, completely change, but then some others you can modify. Mm -hmm. You can stop smoking, you can exercise, you can have a better uh, diet, those kind of things. And then as far as the ones that you, you can't change completely, you certainly can see your physician and get your blood pressure under good control, get your diabetes under good control, and get your cholesterol under good control. Okay, because is this a, a lifetime condition that you just can modify with, like you said, Un stop unfortunately, smoking? Unfortunately, there's no cure right. for peripheral arterial disease. There's, there's good treatment, but mm -hmm. unfortunately there's no cure. So yes, it's a lifetime disease. But we have all sorts of uh, uh, tools uh, to treat it and uh, uh, technology is continually advancing, you know, uh, we've got all sorts of things. We've got uh, drill, uh, devices that spin with 
with diamond dust on, on them that can uh, take out calcium. We have <laughs> devices that can pull clot out of arteries. We have uh, balloons that uh, elute drugs that cause the arteries from restenosing re or, or reforming the blockage. We've got stents of various kinds that uh, also elute drugs and so forth. And so it really has evolved. I've been doing this now for about um, probably 15, 16 years now, and it's really come a long way. And I'm fortunate enough uh, when we get to be involved in actually some research trials where we get access to sometimes uh, devices that aren't uh, initially available widely to the public and, and also uh, sometimes we get devices, we get to be the, the <laughs> first one to use them uh, in, the, in the state or even the country. So <laughs> That's got to be pretty exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, not only to be on that cutting edge and watching it, but to be able to actually look at someone and treat them and really feel good about the fact that you're bringing in the latest technology to save their, not only a limb, but their life. Well, it's very gratifying because um, many times uh, patients, when they develop peripheral arterial disease, they'll begin to think, well, I'm just getting older. I can't, I can't walk as far as I used to. I shouldn't expect to be able to do the things that I, I did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes the symptoms are, are surprisingly can be somewhat vague. You know, they say their legs feel heavy or their legs feel tired, but we do still have those patients that develop wounds on their feet. Mm -hmm. uh, they have uh, chronic pain. They, they walk to their mailbox and by the time they get to the mailbox, their legs are cramping so bad they have to stop and I just really feel blessed that I'm in a position uh, and th there's certainly others that do the same kind of work but it, it's very personally gratifying for me to be able to uh, take a patient like that relieve that blockage and fix it and then when you get to see them back in the office they're just you know <laughs> I mean you can imagine having having that kind of chronic pain and then that being relieved what a uh, you know can kind of change your life really. absolutely and certainly if you're looking at an amputation yes and so it's very gratifying I'm very uh, very happy to be doing this kind of work yeah to save someone's leg to save something from an amputation with treatment with someone probably may have given up hope like you said um, and do you think it's changing like our mindset a little bit where it used to be just well I'm older and this is just the way it is wear and tear of the body I can't expect to do things do you feel like because we're living longer we are healthier we are coming around to kind of a mindset that while some of that might be true that really uh, come see your doctor you there's no right. longer things that you really just have to live with because you think you're a certain age well, well I think technology has caught up with us yeah. as well because when I was in medical school we had this um, really the vascular surgeons were the only one that treated this type of disease and they did it with bypasses and and uh, some major surgery and so we'd actually uh, I remember being a student and you would tell patients when they had pain to continue to try to walk through the pain so that their body would develop collaterals and a lot of that was because we really didn't have the technology to to do much more but as the technologies begin to catch up more people are beginning to enter the field then you know people get excited about looking into it and because we can do something about it yeah and that's the best feeling in the world it really is where a lot of people lose hope and and, and right now the uh, uh, we didn't really talk about it but sort of the counterpart to that is the treatment of venous disease so oh. we, we we're doing a lot of uh, uh, in the community's whole uh, myself and some other people are doing uh, work treating uh, venous disease uh, and how's that different from what we're talking well, about? Well, so the arteries supply blood to 
to the tissues mm -hmm. and then the veins bring the blood back. So the most common way that uh, that you would uh, see somebody present that would be somebody say on a long trip or something and shows up with a swollen leg and has a blood clot. So we can actually go in there and, and uh, remove the blood clot and then if it's the blood clot is caused by an obstruction of the vein itself we can put a stent in there and relieve the blood clot so that hopefully the the, the patient doesn't have any more problems developing a clot in their leg. Right. Oh, that's got to be incredibly gratifying to be able to do that for someone. So um, we have Connie on the line for you. Hi, Connie. What is your question? Hi. Um, I was just wondering if dwelling in a single leg rather than both legs like you're taking water uh, is an indicator of something. Did you say swelling in one leg or both legs? No, yes, just one. Just one. So, yes, ma'am, in general, uh, anytime a patient has a, a swelling in one leg, we certainly want to work it up no matter what. But when you have right. swelling in both legs, that usually indicates that there's more of a systemic cause, say, um, maybe it's the salt intake in your diet. Uh, maybe it's uh, that you may have some underlying congestive heart failure, uh, some uh, renal problems with your kidneys and so forth. But when it's in one leg, that means that there's a disease process that's going on with that specific leg. And so, yes, you should have it looked at at least initially to make sure that there's not a blood clot there. And that's pretty easy to do if you go see your primary care doctor or go to the emergency room, uh, you know, however you think is appropriate in your particular case. We can actually do something non-invasive called an ultrasound, and the ultrasound will give us an idea of where there's a blood clot there. Now, that doesn't mean that if one leg is swollen more than the other that you do have a blood clot. That can also be due to arthritis of the knee. That can be due to lymphedema. That can be due also to something uh, called a venous stasis disease, which we're all familiar with. We just call it a different term. That would be the people with varicose veins. But you should right. at least have it checked out by a doctor just to make sure there's not a blood clot there. Okay. And, well, and it's been over a long period of time, a couple of years, and it's only one that swells. And then in a couple of days, it'll go back down. But that was my concern, because I am a heart patient to begin with. Yes, ma'am. If it's, if it's been there for a couple of years, it's less likely that it's some, you know, some urgent uh, blood clot there or some acute blood clot there but you should mention it next time you go see your, your doctor and let them evaluate it. Okay. Thank you so very much. Yes ma'am. Thank you so much for calling Connie. We wish you well. So and yeah that was a really good question. If you hear it's only one or both legs or just anything out of the ordinary though call. Right. Definitely call. You don't have to panic or worry, right. but you don't have to live with it, right? Well, once, once you talk to your physician and have it evaluated, at least, you know, as I tell people all the time, sometimes we don't know, immediately know what it is, but at least we can tell you what it's not. And sometimes that's important, too. You kind of go down the list. What's the, the uh, most significant, most worrisome thing that we might need to initiate some quick treatment on? And if we can rule that out, then everything else is kind of secondary and we have a little time to kind of sort out what it is and that treat it. That sounds good. That's good. Just stay calm and we're going to figure it out. So it's good. And we have Grover on the line for you. Hi Grover, thank you for calling. What's your question for the doctor? Yes, uh, I have uh, these little things coming on the side of my feet and one in the middle and uh, I wonder what are they? 
And then, again, like you were saying a while ago, I'm sitting here watching y'all. Okay, I got pains coming up my legs. Okay, I can walk from here to my mailbox. I will listen to him for you saying. But I have been out there to LSU, everything else, but they put behind these, these doors and then they'll just go back in and watch me and see. Okay, the doctor told me ain't nothing wrong with me. And then when I was at the doctors in Texas, the doctor told me, I am, I'm walking because he didn't know. He said he ain't never seen nothing like it in his life. And the same thing come back to him. He said, okay, I'll uh, deal to come up your leg. Okay, you get tired. Okay, you have muscle spasms. And then it goes into your chest and all around. Okay, I had a heart attack before. And I was just trying to find out what kind of help that they can give me that, hey, the doctor and the doubts were telling me about. So, uh, if I'm hearing you right, uh, you said you've been to LSU, I guess, before. The, 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 if you're having pain coming up your legs like that, particularly when you walk, the first thing you need to do is have somebody refer you for a, uh, an ultrasound. That's a non-invasive way. Uh, it's very accurate. It can tell us what the blood flow is to uh, your leg. And that would be the first thing we'd rule out. If that was normal, because I, I can't you know, without having access to your chart. It sounds like you've been worked up before. If that was normal, then it's possible you could have either uh, neuropathy, which uh, might go along, I don't know if you're diabetic or anything, but that may be something that might need to be worked up. Or uh, did you say you had some uh, spots or sores on your foot? Did I hear you right? Or Uh-huh. I got one on the right, and then I got one on the left. Then I got one in the middle on the left. Okay. The other thing, so one thing about the treatment and management of peripheral arterial disease, it really is uh, multidisciplinary because we're, we're a lot of times working with limb salvage. So we work with vascular surgeons. We work with general surgeons. Um, obviously, we work with internal medicine and family practice physicians for the management of all the risk factors. But... The other group that when we work with wound care, because many times they do have wounds, but the other especially that we work very closely with, in fact, is one of my big referrers, are the uh, podiatrists. So if you've not seen a podiatrist, I mean, these guys are the feet expert. So that might be some place you might go that might, I mean, they're really going to, if you've got uh, lesions on your feet, these guys, that's that's their passion that's what they do they're gonna they're gonna work and try to find that out and so that might be a, an avenue that you might want to look into is find a, a podiatrist and we're really lucky in this community we've got many fine podiatrists and I work very closely with them so that that's what I would suggest maybe and you know uh, if you want to come see me you more than welcome to do that as well okay now it's beginning <laughs> to give me a pain in my side, almost back to my, I say my uh, liver, a uh, kidneys, and plus, okay, my doctor said that I need stents in my leg. I mean, how can you determine that he never run X-rays or nothing like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how to, you know, how to answer on that, um, but but you definitely need a, need an ultrasound to evaluate the blood flow in the in the arteries, and then. Uh, 
if you have some of those and really can't get a clear answer, I would encourage you to follow up with a podiatrist. And again, uh, if you want to call and make an appointment, we'd be glad to see you in clinic as well. Okay, again, I think I'm going to have to do that. Because sometimes <laughs> I right. can even walk, uh, you know, get out the bed. Uh, hey, you know, I mean, I'm getting to the age in the world that, hey, <laughs> nobody want to be around me and stuff like that because I can't do the things I used to do. Right. Well, that, I mean, that's important. That's that's a, um, a big part of what we're trying to do is uh, allow people to live a normal, happy, productive life. You know, and if you're in, if you're in pain all the time and you can't get around, that certainly is going to impair that quite a bit. So, I hope you. Uh, but, uh, but can I ask you a question? I mean, it's very important to me. Okay, I get dizzy, I can't see that for some time, and then all of a sudden it seems like just a bunch of spots that pops up and go away. I mean, what what caused that? Uh, that's something probably might need to see your ophthalmologist and then also make sure your blood pressure is under good control. So those probably aren't we'll, anything linked to what we're talking uh, about today? Probably not, but I mean certainly need to get in and see your primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. It looks like you got a, yeah. a lot of stuff we need to get you lined out with. Sounds like starting the podiatrist is a really good way to start because you may find a solution to everything, Grover. I think that's a, right. a great place to start, right. seeing the spots on there, right? Right, I think right. so. Okay. Okay, then, um, I had to call and make an appointment to see my primary doctor and see what Yeah. Okay. Well, Grover, wish you well. Thank you so much for calling. You raised a, a lot of good questions for us to talk about today, so thank you. And so that really is a good start. I, when I'm hearing you, I'm going, oh, my gosh, how fortunate that there's something that obvious, even on his foot, to go to a podiatrist. You find anything, go to the specialist. That could link his Well, you'd be surprised. Thing. Sometimes people's... Sometimes patients, their manifest, initial manifestation is, again, like I say, it can be sort of a, a slow, steady progression. And so many times patients will have their feet actually be numb. Mm -hmm. So they're not feeling a lot of pain and they may think, well, I just have neuropathy. And uh, so they'll end up uh, getting a little cut or a, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes an ill-fitting shoe or something. and. Uh, to go see their podiatrist for it if something doesn't heal and they do a real good job about feeling for pulses and so forth and so a lot of times they'll refer patients to me um, and then there's other things that they they do too which is sort of an but we still work closely on them sometimes patients that are diabetic whether they have peripheral vascular disease or not actually have numbness in their feet and sometimes can uh, not be aware that they're uh, the pressure areas on their feet and so the podiatrists do a really good job putting them in the right shoes and so forth. I mean, the, the, the foot is obviously that's the way you get around. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, all of us probably tend to do a poor job of some things taking care of ourselves. So the, the foot is sometimes overlooked, but those guys do a great job with it. And, and like I say, that uh, a lot of times they find, say, hey, I really want you to look at this patient. You know, I got in here and I really think they may have some vascular disease so yeah and how lucky we are to have podiatrists and people who specialize in that you start with your feet and then you can go from there and possibly find some well I mean you serious. know it's the whole the whole body you know yeah so <clears throat> there's such an overlap if you have coronary disease heart disease history of a MI or so forth or had a stroke there's about a 20% overlap in other words without knowing anything else about you other than say you had a history of cardiovascular disease or history of cerebrovascular disease, there's about a 20% chance that you're going to have 
peripheral arterial disease. Oh. Likewise, if you have peripheral arterial disease, you also may have cardiovascular disease or cerebrovascular disease. And it's not uncommon for us to, to start off, we get a referral like that, find blockages in their legs, go on to do a stress test or a carotid ultrasound, and we find other things that otherwise would have been left untreated. Wow, good to know. Okay, we have Betty on the line for you now. Okay. Betty, what is your question <laughs> for the doctor? Yes, ma'am. I want to tell Dr. Eve hello. Yes, I want to, to tell Dr. Eve hello, and I want to know if my leg cramps real bad, if that's a sign of a blood clot. It's not a sign. It's not uh, usually when people talk about blood clots, what they're talking about is a blood clot in the vein, a, what we call a, a deep vein thrombosis. So those can be pretty painful, but they're painful kind of all the time, the painful to touch, the, the leg is swollen and, and uh, maybe red and so forth. The other type of cramps that people ask me about all the times are the cramps that happen at night. Oh. Like you're in a bed and all of a sudden we, you know, always call them Charlie horses. And so those are typically not necessarily associated with peripheral vascular disease. But at any, any rate, it's always good to get a baseline and just, you know, ask your doctor. Say, hey, I'm having this problem. You know, do we need to work it up? Do we need to look at it? But in, in general, uh, when are you specifically having your cramp in your leg? Um, in my right leg, mostly. I, early mornings or at night, I have a bad cramp. And it draws my foot and my toes and everything. Right. And it hurt. It hurts very bad. So those are those are you know sort of the run of the mill cramps that that happen uh, and they are they are difficult to treat. Sometimes they're they're caused by dehydration or electrolyte abnormalities. You know, um, certainly uh, you could eat, eat. Make sure you. Some people say eat a banana. I have a lot of people patients that swear by. Drink a little pickle juice. Yeah. Um, that may help. Uh, usually it's just an, an electrolyte, and it's not typically uh, associated uh, strongly with peripheral vascular disease. But again, if you have questions or concerns, it's always best to, to come see your doctor and let them know about it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Betty. And again, raises such good questions. And, and basically the thing is, to, to simplify drastically, if there's anything that's causing you even to think about or be aware of it during your daily life, like you said, just at least go get a baseline. If it isn't anything, go to the doctor so you have a place to start. Even if he says, right. no, it's more potassium or more water, but you have a place to start so that if something serious does come, you can compare And that you'd baseline. be surprised, some of, the, some of the basic screens are very easy, for example, if we're talking about carotid disease, if, if your doctor uh, puts the stethoscope over the carotid artery, uh, many times you can actually hear it makes a little, like a murmur, there's a sound there. It's not perfect, but uh, that's pretty easy to screen. Uh, you can, the doctor can take your shoe and, shoes and socks off and feel for your pulses there. Also some, uh, you know, if your uh, feet are cold, legs are chronically cold, there's uh, decreased hair growth, all those may be signed. Uh, signs as well, but you know, not terribly okay. specific. I also get a lot of questions about uh, people with their feet being cold, and sometimes that's just the way it is. But again, <laughs> just ask, and Good it's pretty easy to kind of rule it in or out. So okay, because all these things can lead to something. So. Absolutely. I think we have Judy on the line. Is that right? What's your question for Dr. Eves? 
Hello? What's your question for Dr. Yes, Adams? Um, Hi. I, I, have, I have a cough, and I've been had a cough, and I just wonder why I have a cough, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Well, you know, of course, that's hard without, you know, without seeing you. Um, you know, can have allergies, a lot of, a lot of things, and so forth. Sometimes people on certain uh, blood pressure medicines, uh, one of which is called an ACE inhibitor, such as lisinopril, captopril, uh, enalapril, and sometimes those blood pressure medicines can cause a chronic, dry, kind of a hacking cough. So I don't know if you're on some of those, but the thing to do, you know, chronic like that, if if that's not the case would probably be go see your primary care doctor and uh, let them take a listen to your lungs and get a chest x-ray and kind of go from there. And certainly if you are on any of those drugs that I mentioned, don't stop them without talking to your doctor. <laughs> Good advice. Get me in yeah, trouble. I'm on, one, I'm on one of them, I know. Okay, well but, don't uh, stop it without talking to your doctor. Okay, but You'll I get me in trouble. Cough, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a dry cough, it's just I cough up still. Okay, well if you chronically cough up something, you know, that could be like a chronic emphysema or bronchitis, mm -hmm. and you certainly should follow up with your primary care doctor on that. Could be allergies too as well. Okay, but not a symptom that's linked that's to... Shouldn't be a symptom uh, linked to any of the things Lots that we're talking about today. Okay. My eyes, I have allergies in my eyes. Okay. Everything, and I get short wind when I walk. Oh. Before. Yeah, well you sh for sure should follow up with your primary care doctor, particularly if you've had a history of smoking. No, I had never spoke to him. Well, that's good. Like I say, just get get in with your primary care doctor, get a chest X-ray, and and let him uh, do an exam on you. Okay, thank you so much for calling, and that's really good that you brought that up too. Because even if you think it might be your medication, keep taking your medication until oh, your yeah, doctor says sure. not to take it anymore. So that was a very good call. For sure, don't <laughs> don't uh, don't go to Doctor Google. Okay, <laughs> we have Clarissa now. Thank you for calling. What is your question for Doctor Eves? Hello. 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 What's your question? This is Clarissa. Hi, Clarissa. What is your question? Yeah. So uh, I was at uh, working in my garden and uh, I was trying to get it killed, and then I fell up. And uh, my neighbor came and ran to me and said I was dehydrated. And uh, because I was sweating so much and I couldn't, I just kept sweating. And I'm not sure if it's because of fluid or if it was uh, maybe uh, maybe it's just the heat. But he okay. told me to drink. Uh, he told me to drink a Gatorade. Is that good for you? Uh, well, nothing is as good as water for sure. Uh, water's the best thing for you, but certainly. Uh, rehydrating with some Gatorade, it's not going to hurt you. Give you a little sugar and a little, uh, some basic electrolytes. But water is always a good thing to to drink. And oh. and uh, so certainly with the hot weather that we've had recently, you know, yes. high risk of having a heat stroke, particularly if you don't drink enough water. I know sometimes I'm I'm bad about not getting enough water in myself. So just make sure that you drink plenty of water. And if you know that you're going to be uh, out working in the in the yard in the heat. Make sure you drink plenty of water ahead of time, and then stop and take some water breaks while you're working. And also, Clarissa, while we have you, is fainting, so fainting, her main question, she, she fainted. So is fainting a, a symptom of what we're talking about ever? N not generally. Sometimes okay. if there's a, 
maybe a blockage in the carotid, but even that would be a very unusual presentation in, in okay. general. Um, but again, there's, there's multiple causes for, for fainting, not just dehydration. So the best thing to do if you have an episode where you actually passed out like that, that can be due to uh, abnormal heart rhythms, mm -hmm. that can be due to uh, uh, all sorts of things, can be due to valvular heart disease. Um, so the best thing to do is to, to let your, call in your primary care doctor and say, listen, I was out working in my yard, I had this episode, um, do I need to come in and get evaluated? Because yeah. that's the best thing to do. Yeah. But Is I'm glad, glad that you were okay. Yeah. Glad you're doing all right, Clarissa. Go and call your doctor and tell them that you fainted. Okay. And it's very good to bring up things like that too. And that's another example of you faint and neighbors or a lot of us go on the internet or we'll right. have family members tell us, oh, it was just this or it could be exactly. this. Exactly, because you, you really don't know. You don't know. So go to your doctor. Right. Yeah, especially something as serious as fainting, even if it is under conditions where you're out in the garden and it's hot. Right. Well, yeah. it's not normal to faint. No. Sure. <laughs> no, it's not. And that does affect your daily life, I would say. For what sure. we're talking about. For sure. All right. And Dr. Reeves, what else? What's something else that you would like, um, or as we wrap this up, you'd like our viewers to know? Well, like I say, this is uh, September's Peripheral Arterial Disease Awareness Month, so we'd just like to get the word out there. Uh, unfortunately, even this day and age, uh, people still lose their their limbs from amputation. Right. Um, we've got a lot of technology, we've got a lot of great gear that we can use, but too often we have people present with actual wounds that are already uh, beyond the point of right. salvage. Right. So, so uh, early detection, doctor. early thinking about the disease process, and early visit to your All doctors right. helps. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Healthline 3 today. We appreciate Dr. Eves.